Hi, this is Lisa, and you are listening to Branching Out, an upbeat, friend-building, Christian-uniting ministry. Branch Living is part of Infusing Faith Ministries, a Christian life planning ministry, and this podcast is Branching Out, and it's part of Branch Living. In 2022, this year, we are taking a new approach to the podcast. Branch Living was developed to help each Christian live his or her life as a reflection of God. And this is done through Branch Living, the acronym, focusing on B, bonding with God, R, relationships, A, almsgiving, and making our own communities and lives new, which is the N, or renewed, keeping the church strong, that's the C, and developing the habits that we need in each of these areas, and that's the H. Those are our pillars. In this podcast, we will focus on the Branch Living message, reflecting on aspects of these pillars, and we will read scripture together as well. This year, we're going to discuss the 70, the 70 resolutions of Jonathan Edwards, one for each episode. Edwards was considered by many Christians to be the greatest American theologian and a key stimulator of the Great Awakening. As we today seek revival in our nations, let's together see what Edwards proposed as his resolutions to live a holy life. From time to time, we will examine news that we should know about as Christians, and sometimes the stories will be funny, sometimes they will be disturbing, always they will be relevant. We will pray together and share prayers and praise that you bring to us. You can find us as always at branchliving.com or on Facebook or on Getter, that's G-E-T-T-R, at Branch Living. On Facebook, we have an international community and it would be a privilege to have you join us. Just go there and like us and you'll get the podcast and the updates. So join us and encourage your friends and family to continue to be with us. Together, we are stronger. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this new year. We thank you for this time together. We thank you for the time now that we've moved out of the holidays to start to reflect on our lives and how we can live our lives better as a reflection of you. Please stimulate our minds, stimulate our hearts, open our minds and our hearts to hear your voice and especially to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit guiding us through each of our days. We pray this in your name. Amen. So today I'm going to talk about the importance of resolutions and not just for the new year. Jonathan Edwards, and we're going to be focusing a bit on him this year. We kind of focused on Spurgeon often on last year. This year we're going to focus just a little bit each time on Jonathan Edwards. He is considered by many to be one of the most significant American theologians. Even with such an intellect and depth of theology, Edwards maintained a keen focus on his pastoral responsibilities and on his personal life in relation to God. Jonathan Edwards was the only son of Timothy and Esther Stoddard Edwards. He had 10 sisters, four older, six younger. He was the son and the grandson of ministers. At the age of 13, Edwards was sent to Yale College to continue his education. There, after reading Timothy 1.17, his view of God expanded. He saw God as good, beautiful, and sovereign over the universe. 
At age 19, Edwards moved to New York City and served as a supply pastor of a small Presbyterian church. He maintained a view of the moral life, which was shaped by his Puritan heritage, and felt a constant need to confess sin. After he lived in New York for some time, his father helped him obtain a position at a church in Connecticut. Less than a year later, he became a tutor at Yale. Four years later, after battling significant illness and spiritual depression, he was ordained as assistant pastor to his grandfather. In July of that same year, Edwards married Sarah Pierpont, and just one year later, they had their first child. Edwards worked under his grandfather for six years, and upon his grandfather's death, he became the senior pastor of the church in Northampton, Massachusetts. It is said that his most significant pastoral contributions were made during this time at this church. The Great Awakening, a period of tremendous spiritual revival, was taking place in America kindled by the preaching of George Whitfield. Edwards was a supporter of Whitefield and followed Whitefield's itinerant preaching with a series of sermons. Edwards' community, even his own family, began experiencing this spiritual awakening. In 1750, after controversies between Edwards and his congregation concerning life and doctrine, he was dismissed from the church. He became pastor of a frontier church and a missionary to the nearby Indian villages. Edwards' son-in-law, who was Aaron Burr Sr., was president of the College of New Jersey, which later became Princeton University. When his son-in-law died, Edwards filled the vacancy of president until his own death, just a few months later, from the smallpox vaccine. Jonathan Edwards had a brilliant mind, a squeaky voice, a love of hot chocolate, and a lasting legacy as one of America's most important and original philosophical theologians. And the source for this up to this point is historicaltheology.org. So recently I discovered that Edwards recorded 70 resolutions self-imposed measures to help him manage his whole life, from his thoughts to his words and behaviors. He wrote, being sensible that I am unable to do anything without God's help, I do humbly entreat him by his grace to enable me to keep these resolutions so far as they are agreeable to his will for Christ's sake. We will examine his resolutions over the weeks ahead for just a few minutes each, but let us start today with resolution number one. Number one, resolved that I will do whatsoever I think to be most to God's glory and my own good, profit, and pleasure in the whole of my duration without any consideration of time, whether now or never so myriad of ages hence, resolved to do whatever I think to be my duty and most for the good and advantage of mankind in general. I take this to mean that Edwards resolved to endeavor, no matter how long it took, no matter how much time was required, to do those things that would bring about God's glory and his own good, 
and which would benefit mankind. The first resolution is a broad statement, more of a vision or direction for the future as opposed to a specific goal or resolution. Setting a broad vision gives one a standard against which to base all other goals. In organizational planning, we often say the vision is where you want to be, the mission is why you exist, and the goal should be aligned with your mission and pointed directly to your vision. What is your vision in your life? What is your true north? It's never too late to put pen to paper and resolve to stay focused on your true north. In the next podcast, I will delve deeper into the concept of true north for Christians. Until then, let's consider this week why we are here, our mission, and where we're going, our vision. Let's resolve to stay focused in 2022, letting God lead each and every step along the way. And amen. What a great new start to a great new year. So next, we're going to read just a chapter, a podcast from the Bible. And my reason for doing this is I find oftentimes people don't read their Bibles. Um, They listen to other people read the Bible sometimes out of context often, or they'll pull out a single verse. And while that's helpful and that's useful, it's really wonderful at times to just simply read the Bible. So next, I'm just going to read a chapter, and I'm going to start through Genesis and go straight through. Um, So each week, each time that we get together, we'll read a single chapter. And uh, when we finally get through, you will have read the entire Bible with me. But uh, first, we're going to start with Genesis. It's a story we all know well, but sometimes, we, as I said, we just don't hear it word for word as it's written in the Bible. So Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty. Darkness was on its surface of the deep, and God's Spirit was hovering over the surface of the waters. God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw the light and saw that it was good. God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, There was evening, there was morning, the first day. God said, let there be an expanse in the middle of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. God made the expanse and he divided the waters which were under the expanse from the waters which were above the expanse. And it was so. God called the expanse sky. There was evening, there was morning, a second day. God said, let the waters under the sky be gathered together in one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth and the gathering together of the waters he called seas. God saw that it was good. God said, let the earth yield grass, herbs yielding seeds, fruit trees bearing fruit after their kind with their seed in it on the earth. And it was so. The earth yielded grass, herbs yielding seed after their kind, trees bearing fruit with their seeds in it after their kind. And God saw that it was good. There was evening, there was morning, a third day. God said, let let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to divide the day from the night. And let them be signs to mark the seasons, the days, the years. 
and let them be for the lights in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth. And so it was. God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the expanse of the sky to give light to the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. There was evening, there was morning, a fourth day. God said, let the waters abound with living creatures. Let the birds fly above the earth in the open expanse of the sky. God created the large sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarmed after their kind and every winged bird after its kind. God saw that it was good. God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. There was evening, there was morning, a fifth day. God said, let the earth produce living creatures after their kind, livestock, creeping things, animals of the earth after their kind. And it was so. God made the animals of the earth after their kind and the livestock after their kind and everything that creeps on the ground after its kind. And God saw that it was good. God said, let's make man in our image. After our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over the livestock, over the, all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In God's image, he created him. Male, female, he created them. God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the earth, over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb yielding seed, which is on the surface of the earth, and every tree which bears fruit yielding seed. It will be your food to every animal on the earth, to every bird in the sky, to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life. I have given every green herb for food. And so it was. God saw that everything he had made, and he behold, it was very good. There was evening, there was morning, a sixth day. And that is the first chapter of the Bible. And uh, God is a deliberate creator. God creates everything, God names everything, God sees everything. And I think it's just so important to bring that truth into our lives. We aren't here by accident. Nothing is here by accident. Everything is created by God, and everything that God creates is good. At least it starts good. So amen to that. Well, I wanted to conclude our time together with a really wonderful story. I thought it was so appropriate for the new year. And this story comes to us from the Epic Times, and the title of it is 107-Year-Old Pianist Releases a New Album. French pianist Colette Mays has been playing the piano since age five. And this uh, article is written by uh, Louise Bevin, or Bevin. And here's the article. One of the oldest recording pianists in the world has released her sixth album at the magnificent age of 107 years. French pianist Colette Mays finished the album in May 
after playing her chosen instrument for a grand total of, get this, 102 years. Young at heart and healthy, despite some deterioration in her eyesight and hearing, she retains a sense of youthful reverence for the world around her, which keeps her going. Youth is inside, she said. If you appreciate what's beautiful around you, you will find a sense of wonder in it. Born into a musical family on June 16, 1914, Mays began playing the piano at the age of five. As a teen, her tutors and mentors included the legendary pianist Alfred Cortot, who had a unique technique centered on relaxing the arms and the hands under whom she studied at the Paris École Normale de Musique, according to the report. I always preferred composers who gave me tenderness, like Schumann and, De and Debussy, she said. Music is an, is an effective language, a poetic language. In music, there is everything, nature, emotion, love, revolt, dreams. It is like spiritual food. Mays lives on the 14th floor of an apartment building by the Seine River in Paris with her tabby cat, Tigor, and two pianos, a baby grand, and a palela she received on her 18th birthday, and she still plays upward to four hours every day. Yet the centurion only started recording herself at age 84. Working with a sound engineer at her home on Sundays when her apartment building is most peaceful. Over 15 years, she has recorded six albums, totaling roughly eight hours of music, according to the report. Her most recent al album is a compilation of all, of all Debussy pieces, her favorite composer from all previous recordings. Mays' only son, 71-year-old Fabrice, claims the piano gives his mother positive energy, strength, and motivation to this day. Prohibited from pursuing a professional career as a musician by her parents, Mays missed out on qualifying as a concert pianist and became a teacher instead. She taught for 20 years, according to NPR. Playing the piano turned out to be a lifelong love, but it was Fabrice who decided his mother should leave a trace of her precious talent by recording herself. Mays was humble and incredulous at first, but eventually she warmed up to the idea. She sort of breathed through the piano, said Fabrice, and now she is existing through her piano and her piano is her life. Life is all about staying passionate and curious, Mays told um, NPR. You can't let that slip away. So wonderful article about a woman who kept her passion alive um, and lived to, is currently 107 years old and is still recording. And so it's a great thing to begin a new year to think that uh, if we find our passion and hold, off to, hold on to it, it can really inspire us to do wonderful things at any age. And as Christians, we also know that when we put our passions into Christ's hands and we ask him to use us, there's an element that's even more special than the article I just read, an element that brings depth to our life and also benefits those around us. But certainly this woman has benefited those around her through her beautiful music.
So thank you for joining us. I want to wish you all a wonderful new year. I want you to encourage, encourage you to read the Bible. It is the truth. There is such a spirit of confusion in the world today, many spirits of confusion. And uh, if we just hold on to the Bible as our truth, we can judge everything against it and make really wise decisions. So make those decisions, make your resolutions, enjoy this new year, worship our God, and we will be together very, very soon.